People say he ain't no good And I'm crazy as a loon Cause I shave my head in the morning Pick guitar in the afternoon Just like old Chief and Charlie I like to lay around in the shade Well I ain't got no money But you better believe I got it made Cause I ain't asking nobody for nothing Just leave this bald-headed country boy alone. What's up, folks? Before we get started with this episode of the Josh Terry Podcast, we just want to give a big thank you to all of our sponsors. Blazer88. Please go check them out on all social media platforms. Pearl promoting Down Yonder Hat Co., our OnlyFans Girl of the Month, Miss Bailey at the Modern Day Cowgirl on OnlyFans. Miss Kimley Insurance, please call her and get a quote today. She's over in Sneed, Alabama. She's got two offices. Call over there. Tell her Josh Terry sent you. Cottonfield Grill, Lori's Dive-In, Back Road Park Event Venue. Hashtag 601 Roofing King, Mr. Bubba. Look him up, too. He also has Blue Collar Alliance on social media. Christina Martin Photography. She takes all of our pictures. She goes everywhere with us now. She is great. Mr. Ron over at Cashman's and Sophia's in the library. Thank you for being a sponsor. Project K9 Hero. Thank you, Mr. Jason Johnson, for being on board. Now, let's roll into the episode. What's up, folks? Thank you all for tuning into the Josh Terry Podcast. I want to thank all of our sponsors to start off with, but you just heard that shit in the opening credits, so we won't go over it again. But thank each and every one of y'all for being part of the show. Uh, one of the things that I absolutely love doing is I love to kind of keep up with the people uh, that have podcasts that start following me on social media. And I try to look for the ones that are good, the ones that are entertaining. And then I try to connect with them. Well, uh, somebody reached out to me before I had a chance to reach out to them yesterday. And I was like, fuck it. Let's roll it. Let's go ahead and get a show lined up. So I want to introduce y'all to the Dude's Dad podcast, uh, Mr. Jerry and Mr. Tom, all the way up in Delaware. Thank you guys for uh, taking the time and doing an episode with us today. Hell yeah, yeah man. Appreciate you, brother. Yep, appreciate you. How fucking cold is it up there right now? I don't, you know what? This, it's fucking this, warm today. Yeah, <laughs> right right now it's it's like 55. <laughs> yeah. Like six days ago, it was like 12. All right. uh, we, I think the lowest we got was like 18. But like it's 80 degrees at my house right now. I'm fucking hot, really? dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll be real with you. I don't even know where the fuck Delaware is on a map. I just no thought about does. that. I was like, whoa. I don't We're even know. We're like in, an hour south of Philly. Okay. And like an hour and a half northeast of DC. Ah, y'all are right up there in shitland then. It, it well, our town is not, but yes, you're you're you can a quick drive, you can get to it. Well, what's funny is when I was looking at y'all stuff, y'all look southern, y'all look country, and I was yeah. like, where the fuck is Delaware at then? Because I'm obviously <laughs> I'm ignorant. I think everything above Ohio. And I'm guessing y'all would be above Ohio, just more east. No. Fuck no. We're no. Still- <laughs> really? <laughs> what map? We got to see your map. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You don't want to see my map. My map is you just ride up stupid, the coast. obviously. Keep going up the coast, and you'll run right into us. So you yeah. just stay going on the coast. So you're like, what are y'all par- – all right, so well, what would y'all be parallel Maryland. to, like Tennessee? No, we're north of Tennessee. Okay. Uh, a little, little bit. We're, we're parallel to – parallel to West Virginia. 
Maryland, West Virginia. Yeah. You, you can tell I was raised in the South because I just know the 13 original colonies. And <laughs> I know the SEC. SEC football. That's all I know. Outside of that, I don't know where fucking nothing is, dude. Okay, so we had a kid. Football is a big thing in our town. Um, we had a kid that graduated a few years ago. He plays for uh, South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Okay. Uh, so if you follow SEC, that's SEC, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's SEC. If you follow SEC, yeah, he, he like – he like led the SEC in solo tackles this year. Debo Williams, Daryl okay. Williams, number zero for the Gamecocks. Dude's a fucking monster. That's cool, dude. Yeah, dude, you just—I guess like most of us down here, we think anything that's more northern, there's no country there. But I've got a yeah. bunch of buddies in Nashville. They always tell me wrong. But I was just assuming when y'all said Delaware. I was expecting this nice, classy office. I was expecting like whatever. And then I looked more <laughs> into y'all's social media and I was like, no, I can vibe with these guys. These guys are cool. Yeah, we have a lot of cornfields here. Yeah. That haven't been the ones I didn't sell yet. You know, we get a lot of a lot of housing developments have moved in and, and a lot of farmers have sold out. But I mean a lot of corn we're all flat. It's flat, yeah. a lot of cornfields. And we have a lot of we're like uh we're on the coast, so we have a lot of marshland. So we got a mix of country, marsh, you know, so we get a beach. Yeah, we get the beaches. So we're like a hybrid of all kinds. Whatever the fuck you want to be that day. You can be Kenny Chesney or you can be a redneck. You know yeah. what I mean? So y'all's probably uh, mostly duck hunting up there then, right? Yeah. Lots of duck and goose hunting. Yeah. Deer hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Matter of I fact, I just settled on 100 acres, acres yesterday on some hunting land. Yeah. Yeah, he just bought some hunting land in southern Delaware. Yeah, Rocking yeah, excited. Talking to y'all about hunting like I fucking go hunting. Uh, it's one of them things I never got into. I was I played sports growing up and just never mm -hmm. took the time to go hunting. I'm 36 years old now. And uh, now it's where it's like, okay, maybe I'm finna start doing this shit. And duck seems like to be the one I'm going to get into. It's fun. It's social. You can hang out. You're in a blind with your boys cutting it up. Yeah. And uh like the locker room. Yeah, 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 legit. You know, you cook breakfast, maybe have a sip of brandy in the morning, you know what I mean? Um but uh it's definitely the more social fun thing, especially if you're new to hunting, you know what I mean? Because you can kind of relax a little bit. It's not like deer hunting where you gotta worry about being quiet and your scent and moving and all that jazz. So that's definitely yeah. a good one. You get anything, a lot of good views. Anything that involves firearms and guns or firearms and alcohol, I'm there anyway. So that, that, I mean, that's, what, come on. that's what's pretty much sold me on the idea of going duck hunting. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I have some hunting property. Well, it's not mine. It's a good friend of mine in uh, South Carolina, uh, all the way on the western corner of South Carolina, really close to Georgia, actually. He's like an hour from Georgia. Okay. And we, I go down there every year, at least once a year, to go pig hunting. So you ever want to hook up and film a pig hunting show, we can set that up. That's what, it can't be that far from you. No, it's, it wouldn't be. I am from South Carolina to where I'm at. It's less than two hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's go. the that's the low country area they call out there, right? I think so. That's where uh, uh, well, the area. He's near Clemson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's necessarily low country, but it's close to it. Um, okay. And the only reason I fucking know that is because of the Murdoch murders and everything <laughs> that, that happened. <laughs> now I think everybody that lives over there is just crooked and scandalous like we are here in south georgia <laughs> what what sports did you play uh baseball and football uh baseball and football yeah i was pretty good but i have the one problem that you can't teach an athlete and that is size uh i am 510 <laughs> on a fucking good day uh so yeah there wasn't much chance of me doing anything besides this being a pretty decent high school athlete um yeah there was no college that was fixing to take a gamble 
on me. Plus, I hurt my shoulder really bad between my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty much it. Like, I think I had like one very small school offer me a baseball, like partial scholarship, uh, okay. Darton, um, in Albany, Darton. but, uh, but all besides that, like, yeah, there was no, there was no what, minor leagues. There was no what positions. Uh, you would fucking not look at me now and know this, but I was a very fast outfielder. Uh, and I caught some, uh, I, for a Caucasian white male that weighed 200 pounds his whole life and being five, nine, five, 10, I was extremely fast. Hey, nice. I, I same here. I always say I'm black from the waist down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I like to make the joke that I'm one quarter or one eighth black. Every time I go to a bar, I go to a lot of rap bars and, uh, I'm a country boy through and through, but I love making people uncomfortable, but make them laugh. So I always yes. like I, I'm one eighth African American, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Everybody always thinks you're gonna say your dick, and I'll be like, "No, nah, bitch, my credit score." And it, you either get two, re- you either get two responses out of that. It's either they laugh their ass off with you, or they're like, "You're not funny. You <laughs> you can go away." What, uh, what were you in? Uh, what were you in football? Uh, linebacker, linebacker, linebacker mostly. Uh, when I was, I think, starting off, I was linebacker like junior or like freshman and sophomore. Then I got moved to DN. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I played. Yeah. But like I said, you can't teach fucking size, dude. Uh, nope. And plus I'm lazy. I don't know if you were like this or a lot of people like this. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I wasn't aggressive either. Like I didn't get like a real aggressive side to me until after school. Hmm. Like I think I was very intimidated by other people until hmm. like I got a little bit older. And then once I got a little bit older, I got into a couple fights and everything, like how we all do as young men and and like this immature bullshit. And it was like, oh, okay, I can hold my own now. I think they ought to make every fucking body that plays high school football now and throw the fuck down at least once or twice to start off the season and show, hey, you're tougher than you think you are. Go out there and be fucking aggressive. Because I I didn't know to be aggressive. I was timid as fuck. Well, that's what you do. I mean, that's the Oklahoma drill. You know what I mean? That's I mean, you start that bitch right up. Yeah, and and it's also a reason why I think there's a lot of coaches out there that don't discourage fighting, right? Like, yeah. it's not talked about. I don't think it should be talked about. I think there's some things that need to be sacred on the yeah. practice field. Oh, yeah, yeah. But keep like, it if, secret, keep it safe. Yeah. You know I mean? If if we got a couple players that start throwing down, you you let it go a little bit. And I'll tell you what. Yeah, I saw I coach Pop Warner, and. Yeah, where we got six, six U, you know, six and under. So five and six year old boys. Some of them are turned seven into the season, and they'll get a little scrappy and get a little attitude with each other when you're scrimmaging and stuff. And we'll see like a little bit of dirtiness go on, maybe a little bit of pushing, shoving, punching, and you you let it go just enough. Like yeah. you don't want to just jump in and stop them and say, "No, you can't do that. That's not good." Let let the boys be boys just enough within being safe because I want them to be aggressive. I, I think it's good for a boy, just like yeah. you said, let them find out you are, see it, you're tougher. It doesn't hurt that bad to get punched or hit, you know? So we kind of let that go just a little bit. And then if it starts to get to a point where we got to pull them apart or whatever, but I think that's little, the same. Little, little feel each other out a little bit. That's the mean? same through all levels of football, just for the exact reasons why you said. Well, unfortunately now in the society we live in, they're trying to demasculate every fucking body. And yeah. it's to- all of a sudden, if you do something like that, it's called toxic masculinity, which is fucking stupid. Fuck it that. used to oh, just be cringy. It used to just be called boys being boys. Uh now there are certain things that as we 
grow older that we realize that we're wrong. Like, you know, not treating, I grew up where women got taught, caught, fuck, I cannot talk, got treated with the utmost respect. That's in my, that was my household. You didn't put your hands on a woman, even though I grew up in a house with domestic violence. I know that sounds fucking insane, but I was taught you don't fucking do it. Uh, and a lot of the families that we grew up around were the same way. So like, but the older we get, the more we realize like hollering at somebody or certain things was over the line. That's toxic. That is toxic and should be fucking just took out of our society. Yeah. But as far as like two boys getting into it, you shouldn't be told, Oh, we need you guys to hug it out in color and write apology to each other. No, let each other bust each other's ass. Let it get over. Me and my daughter just had this conversation the other day. The reason why boys, men or whatever can get into it with your best friend is because you can air it all the fuck out. And most of the time you air it out, whether it comes into a little bit of a scrap or whatever, like you get it all off your fucking chest. And once you get it off your chest, it's over with women, mm -hmm. complete opposite. You can, they're just going to bicker back and forth for the majority of it. But anytime you've seen two women get into it and they've actually scrapped and let their shit out, they're better. But people yeah. call that toxic now. Like you, you can't do shit when you have that build up aggression or that build up fucking anxiety or just mad inside of you. Yeah, you gotta let I that like shit to, out. I, I like to call that like, especially for sports. You know, you get that familiarity through friction. You know what I mean yeah. like you got someone that you think maybe you don't like, and and you guys go back and forth, and you start fucking, you know, head hunting each other on a play, totally ignoring what the fuck the play is, and head hunting each other. And then, you know, later on, if you get in a scrap or whatever, like, damn, all right, man, I at least respect you for fucking standing up. Like, we got through our shit. And once you have that moment, you're like, all right, man, we're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, it's it's taken away the blow-off valve for yeah. humans. Yeah. And and especially men. And, like, whether you want to go this way of the conversation or not, but I think that's that's what makes these boys and young men go off the deep end is because you've taken away the blow-off valve that prevents this really bad shit from happening. Yeah. Right. Like that when they're really acting out in, in bad ways, right. Like you got, you know, kids fighting teachers or, you know, shooting up schools or whatever, but like you've taken away the blow off valve for these men. It's, it has going to come out somewhere. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of other shoots I know and a whole bunch of other little factors and stuff like that are that extreme, but it's just a part of it. You yeah. know, I can remember, uh, I played ball in college and I can remember one, uh, and spring ball, that was like everyone's going for their job, right? Spring ball, yep. sp spring ball is crazy. Like everyone's hyped the fuck up. Everyone just came out of lifting. Everyone's grown, right? And I remember we're about, uh, I think we're like four days into our practices, and the coach literally stops practice, and we we look like shit, and and he he starts going off on us like you motherfuckers. I ain't seen a one fucking fight in this fucking field yet. You guys are fucking pussies. You guys think you already secured your jobs. I ain't seen one fucking fight on this field yet. I was like, he's right. We're all out here just acting like, you know, no one's fucking fired up. And I was like, damn, he does. Like, it was like a tradition. You get the spring ball, there's fucking brawls. And those brawls had to happen. And that lit the coaches know, like, yo, I'm fucking serious about my position. Yeah. I'll fight any motherfucker right now for it. And you had to let that shit go because. You can't take that shit in the class. You can't take it on to your friends. You say, like, what do they tell you? You always save it for the field. You know what I mean? So you yep. get to the field. Let me have my moment. Our high school coach had the fucking weirdest drill ever. Uh, I've never seen it done before. And somebody will probably pop up and say that their coach does this too uh, in the comments or something when we get done. But when shit was stagnant, 
when like practices would suck or whatever, if he hollered out scramble, you didn't have to be on the field. You could be on the fucking sidelines wherever. If it was just there was no energy on the field, you had to fucking hit somebody. You had to tackle oh, somebody. Like and it was just where it would fucking get everybody going. It would cause some fights because you'd get some motherfucker to hit you from behind or whatever, but it was the person you were next to. You had to fucking take to the ground. And <laughs> looking back at it, you realize what he was doing. Like at the time, you're like, this is fucking stupid. Someone's going to die. Uh, like somebody's going to get their fucking arm, neck, back broke or whatever. But no, he was trying to put energy out there. And it does. It fucking does. And the problem, what you, one of the things you were talking about with the school shootings and the other stuff and not there being a valve, what we've done as a society is we've gone from one extreme to the other to where men used to be told, you don't talk about your mental health. If you got an injury, you put dirt on it. You don't fucking cry. None of this stuff to where now they're wanting to baby. They're wanting to coddle boys until they're fucking become men. But the problem with that, if you coddle a boy until it's time for him to become a man, he's just a fucking baby man. Like he's, yep. he's not a, he's not a real fucking man. There needs to be that middle area. And it seems like, and I'm not ever going to say the way that we were raised was better than anybody else, but the way that you guys were raised, the way that I was raised, seems like we're more adjusted to actually being a man and the things that me and ought to do. And I'm not, not, like I said, not knocking anybody's fucking parenting skills for any of y'all come at my ass. Just saying their world needs men. World don't yep. need soft men. They need fucking men. And if yeah. you baby a boy, he's never going to be a man. Yeah. Threat, threats, are, threats are real. And I, yeah. I don't understand how everyone gets to talk out of both sides of their mouth about how you, how you need to be, you know, gentle and you need to be uh, soft and they, you know, but the world is the opposite of that. So yeah, you speak absolutely. out your, your side of this mouth and then also out of your mouth, like, Oh, by the way, we're also going to this country, killing all these people. So like, but you should really be all about your feelings. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it's like, but you know, it's a murderous world out there. You, yeah. you know, you need fucking killers. You need gentle giants. Like you need to know yeah. how to kill, not so you can go fucking do it. So when the time comes and the, the line is drawn, you're like, I, I can step over that real quick. And you, you've, you have a daughter, right? Yeah. Don't you want your daughter to be with someone that's going to be able to protect her? Yeah. Uh, we're kind of weird about that because I really <laughs> want her to grow up to be a lesbian. Uh, I, cause I, <laughs> that's I, what I, brother says. I, I did, I don't, cause I know I'm gonna kill a little boy and there's no yeah. chance, there's no chance in hell of it. I just, I'm real protective of her, but yeah. I don't think it's necessarily, I want her to be with a a manly man or not a manly man is I want her to be able to be a fucking Viking queen. I want her to be able to protect herself. So like, even when I'm talking about like babying people, girls don't need to be babied in this day and age. They need to be treated like women, but you also got to know it's a fucking, like you said, dude, it's a cruel world out there. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking damsel in distress. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the, you know, and I, obviously there's always, uh, there's always, you know, different instances, right? Exceptions to every role. But I would feel much better if my daughter's going out on a date or married to a man that I'm comfortable. I, I know oh, that you're at least you're willing to get violent if yeah. it comes down to it. You know, um, have you heard of um, Jake Reeves, the Mississippi Superman? I don't think so. So he's got a podcast, Man Up. He's in Mississippi. He owns an MMA gym. Great dude. You would actually like him a lot too. We were. He just was on our show last week. Well, we're going to be releasing that next week. Um, Anyway, he's so he's a professional fighter. He fought in like the lower end of the UFC. Um, 
he does still does some boxing matches here and there, but he's mainly a trainer. Well, his rule to his daughter's 16 or something like that. His rule is like, if you want to take his daughter on a date, you've got to get in the, you got to get in the ring with him and fight him. <laughs> and now, now he, he doesn't go all out. He's not out here to hurt kids, but he, he's like, I mainly just want to see if you got a set of nuts yeah, to man. come, to come do it, you know? And he showed that. us some clips of him, like yeah. of him in, and it's like the first 30 seconds, he wasn't allowed to throw a punch. And then the next 30, he could only, you know, left hand jab. And until the last 30 seconds, he was allowed to use both his hands. And, uh, and he was, I would say he was probably at about 15%. Yeah, and uh, he but popped, he, he, little, he popped him a little. No, he like what he's got. You know what I mean? Like he, he, this boy was questioning his life in this ring. But it was. But I I like that. I I, I, dig I love it. that. I love that. Uh, Gracie's little boyfriends, and she's only twelve, so none nothing serious, nothing like that or whatever. They see my social media, and one, they're petrified that I'm going to roast the shit out of most of the time. Like they they uh, know that if they do anything hurt my daughter's feelings or whatever. Like I'm going to just demasculate the shit out of them. I'm going to find every insecurity they've got, and I'm going to eat them the fuck alive. Uh, Love it. And so, a bunch of them are scared shitless of Gracie anyway. But Gracie already too, dude. Like she has, like me and her mother have not been together for a long time. Uh, she's a wonderful human being. I always try to say that as much as possible. Um, she's got her mother's temper but she's got my sense of humor and my wittiness. She is hell on wheels. I think there's more people in this world scared of my daughter than they are of me. And she, and she's hell, but, uh, I do my best that if I'm around any of these boys, I, I show them real quick. Like, no, you're going to get your feelings hurt in more than just a physical way. If you fuck with my daughter. She she does sound like a pistol. That's like the best combination to have as a, uh, as your daughter. I feel like you know what I mean, unless because she, you know she's not going to be, be a victim every day. Oh yeah, she oh Gracie will never be a victim. That's uh no. That's one of the things. Like so, our listening audience is very fucking weird, dude. Uh, it's like seventy five percent women, twenty five percent men, and the men that listen. A lot of men don't like me. There's a lot of men, and I don't know why. I still have not figured it out. You got to be a manly man to like me. Like you got to get. I, I'm not for the soft. I'm not no. not whatever. Now, like uh, one of the ways that I know we kind of connected or how we found each other was I did the show with uh, the two gay dads. Yeah, and girl dads. Fuck, girl dads. They're fucking amazing. Like yep. I, I absolutely love them to death. Uh, the, we kind of talked about the same thing. Like they're raising their daughter to be a fucking badass because they don't want to live in a soft in a soft world. And my thing is, it doesn't matter if it comes from dads like y'all, dad like me, the girl dads or whatever. There's kind of one constant that like, hey, we don't want soft. It's not a soft mm -hmm. world. But when you see everything in the media, everything in the school system or whatever, it's a false narrative. But it's it it's kind of our job as dads and mothers. <laughs> To put out there, hey, this isn't what the world is really like. That's just them trying to make it easier. And I'm a conspiracy theory nut. That's just them trying to make it easier for the world to get took over one day, in my yeah. opinion. Dude, that's why it that's one of the reasons we started this podcast, right? Is because to to essentially put out there that toxic masculinity is not a real thing. To to put out there that like just because you perceive you might perceive us in one way, that's not how we're that's not how we are we'll treat everybody the same we'll talk to every anybody 
um, kind of the really the same thing, but we have an opportunity in 2024 that you could use this platform to, to physically show people, to show everybody that, you know, it's not the way you think in the world really isn't as bad as you think it is, or the people in the world really aren't as bad as you think they are. And, and, and just being and that we're open-minded. So we're not like yeah. cavemen guys where we're like, yeah, we would never fucking talk to those people because they're gay or something like, dude, we'll talk to everybody. Yeah. You know, you need to be a hybrid mm -hmm. and, and learn from everybody. That's part of being a real man. But there's know? some shit parents out there that are like us. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so who you can't sit there and say like, just cause it's two girl dads, uh, they're going to be shit parents, you know? They yeah, sound like fucking not. phenomenal parents. Oh, they're yeah. a way better dad than me, probably. Yeah. Probably, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're way more attentive to their child than I am. I I literally want to punch mine in the face every other day. Like, I, I really feel like I told her yesterday I owned her. And she's like, you don't own me. Slavery ended. And I was like, Gracie, that's not what I'm talking about. I was like, bitch, if I'm paying your bills to your 18, you do what I say when I say. And I would imagine that conversation with a actual good parent will go a completely different way. <laughs> but, uh, the intentions are the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> but, dude, I, yeah, I just, I think there is a lot of shit people in the world. But I, I think that if you were to do it in a percentage-wise, I think the amount of good people out there is 90% and it's 10% fucking shitheads that want to ruin it for yeah. the rest, rest of the world. But I, I got told at a very young age, the most insecure and the most miserable people are usually the loudest people. Yep. So that, that's why I think that 10% is so fucking loud. And I really am not talking about like the alphabet community. I'm not talking about strong right conservatives. I'm not talking about liberals. Uh, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the people that, are so scared of anybody being different than their opinion that they feel like they have to chastise and belittle everybody yeah. that's different than them to where you got folks like us and a whole lot of the rest of the world. That other 90% is like, I don't care that you're different. It doesn't bother me. I, You're not sitting here telling me what to do or how to live my life. I don't mm -hmm. give a fuck what you do. Yeah, I, I find that... uh. I find that that small percentage you're talking about, you know, I just had this conversation with my buddy last night uh, who's trying to navigate, uh, you know, not caring about what other people say and stuff. And I said, man, I, I've been fortunate. I never, I've been so laid back and I just do not care what people say or think because for the most part, the people that like that percentage you're talking about are, are very bad listeners. Absolutely. So I, I, I would, I would, I always take the path of least resistance. I, if you, if people don't know me, I avoid conflict because 99% of the time, the person I'm going to have a conflict with, it's not even going to listen to me. They're just going to, they're just waiting for me to get done my sentence so they can say something else. I'm like, it's like talking to a fucking robot. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll just avoid that, move on with my life. See you. Now, if you want to, if you want to elaborate on something, talk about it, go back and forth, cool, and then move on. That, I'll do that. But I like that, that, that percentage you're talking about, just, it's just spewing garbage loud. They're not on our radar. Yeah. Well, my, my thing is, is if I ask you a question, if you have a belief, and it doesn't matter what the belief is, if I ask you the question and you just say, because I said so, and you don't go into detail of why you believe into it, I'm automatically just going to assume you're a dumbass and you're not mm -hmm. willing to have a conversation yeah. with me. Like, there are certain things you'll never change my mind on. Uh, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm not a very good one, obviously. I'm not the example setter. <laughs> 
but I'm a Christian. I know at the end of the day that I'm good with him and he's good with me. And that's all the fuck that matters. So me listening to somebody else talking about their religion, I actually love those conversations. I love to hear when somebody's just as passionate about being a Buddhist or a Muslim or whatever it is. But what fucking irritates me is in any asset of life, aspect of life, if I ask you why you're a Muslim and you're just like, I'm a Muslim, I just am. And it's like, no, I want to know why you're passionate about it. I want to know why you converted to that if you wasn't, if you wasn't already born into that type of lifestyle or that culture. Yeah, I, w- I would say, you know what, that's, that's a good point. I would say that now people have made it very confusing on somebody being genuine on learning from someone and, and the difference of that and attacking someone. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And trying to, hey, man, I actually just genuinely, because I, I, that happens to me. I, I ask a little bit deeper questions to someone yeah. I don't even know. And they're kind of like, are you about to try and make fun of me? I'm like, no, I'm genuinely like, just keep going. I'm kind of, I'm genuinely curious. Same thing I told y'all before the show started that I have to tell every single guest is if I ask you something, I'm not asking you to chastise or to say that you're wrong or whatever. I want to know. Like if if you don't believe in growth, if you don't believe in still educating yourself after school or educating yourself every day, then yeah. what are you doing? Like you're, you should be obtaining something new every single day. Like your life shouldn't be yeah. so perfect. Nobody's life is so perfect that you couldn't use a little bit more knowledge in another good conversation. Yeah. That's and, right. you, and you can learn from everybody. And that's something I hope my kids get to see from me. I know I learned that from my dad. My dad would talk to anybody and he showed me, you know, how you can learn from every person out there. You know what I mean? And just accept everyone. Yeah. Um, because he, and it, that showed him, he was confident with himself. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's the only way to be, dude. I've one of my favorite shows I've ever done. Y'all might actually be show number five hundred, by the way. I don't know. I got to look and see if y'all. That's are. what the, the fuck I'm yeah, talking about. Think it's it's either y'all are right there at it, or it's the next one or two. But if it is, yeah, let's just it. say five, it's now. Five, yeah, congratulations <laughs> me on five hundred shows. Uh, but one of the Ooh. first shows that I did. Uh, probably within the first year of the studio being opened back in uh, 2021 was I had a guy from my hometown come and do the show that if you saw this dude's social media, he is the absolute polar opposite of every single fucking thing that I believe in. He's very outspoken about his beliefs, but it's literally both at different ends of the spectrum. Um, he's getting married or he was at the time to somebody who was transitioning, uh, from a man to a woman. Uh, and he's very much liberal, uh, socialist, pretty much all this type of shit. And I was like, you know what I think would be a great podcast is me and him to do one together. So I talked him into it. He had a lot of reservations about coming because he's like, oh, Josh is just going to call me out. We're going to butt heads and all this kind of stuff. It's one of the best episodes I've ever had. And I reference it all the time. Because it was two people, complete opposites, and they were just talking about life. And it was nobody just saying, this is why I believe in this. We never got into it. The very end of it, after some liquor had been tossed around a little bit, uh, (laughs) there was one conversation about, like, if you work for McDonald's, you ought to own a piece of McDonald's. And, like, that was extreme for me. Like, that was way too much for me. (laughs) And I kind of got irritated at the end. But besides that, it was great, but it was that we ought to be able to have those conversations with people that are nothing like us. How else 
A lot of those people in that 10% I was talking about a while ago, they think if they holler at you and they force stuff on you that you'll believe what they believe. And it's not like that. It's if you talk to me, I can respect your views. I don't have to believe in them, but it helps me have a better understanding of your views. There's not enough people yeah. that want to do that. They just want to fucking holler and scream. A lot of yeah. bad, a lot of bad salesmen, as I always say. Yeah, a lot of bad salesmen. Yeah. No, nah, I don't. I don't have the bandwidth for that. Anyway. <laughs> hey, yeah. are you? Uh, are you? Uh, are you playing in Nashville? By the way. Uh, we're in Nashville once a month recording shows, and uh, and um, I do a show there. It's called the Raising Grace Rounds. The name of our studios, Raising Grace Studios. Uh, it stands like for somewhere between Raising Hell and Amazing Grace. But my daughter's name is also oh, Gracie. I like that. So raising grace, everybody gets to see everything that we do with her. Um, but we do a writer's round up there once a month with a lot of big name artists, a lot of up and coming artists. If you guys ever want to get away and come see some, I'm coming. Shit, yeah, we oh, do. We got a, a airport that flies right to Nashville oh, dude, for like, me... for like $69. Yeah. Oh, dude, y'all let me know. I'll give you all the dates that we're up there. We literally up there once yeah. a month. We record at the biggest, uh, songwriters bar there we're very okay. good with friends shout out the live oak uh hasten and dave and all the staff and everything there um like i am a guy i like i'm obviously a big country music fan but i love songwriters i love the folks that you might not ever hear on radio but they're responsible for those number ones yeah and those are my friends like i got a bunch of artists friends too that are on radio but you don't get to really connect with them dive deep into them i like I like an actual artist, not the musician you see on the radio. There are mm -hmm. some. You got the Luke Combs, the Eric Churches, uh, the Riley Greens, Morgan Wallen, if you want to throw his ass in there. Uh, you got actual artists. But yeah. these people that are behind the scenes, the songwriters, once you go to a songwriter's round, you will never pay for a concert ticket again. You, hmm. it, It's life-changing. It's you get to hear the story behind the song. You get to hear the artist that actually yeah. wrote it. It, dude, and it's just so fucking good. So how do you how do you get like how would someone like us get in that room to be a part of that? Do you, do you just sell tickets or what? No, no, no. Our our riders rounds are free. Riders rounds ought to be free. Uh, now you'll have okay. some that are like closed off, like the listening room, which is amazing. We just got to see. Jenna LaMaster, Casey Tisdall, Farron Rachels, and Ashlyn Craft there. And I think it was a $10 ticket to see these four amazing artists. Uh, that's one thing. But the stuff that we do, I don't charge anything that I do, man. Uh, I like the people to come be part of it. We've got sponsors on this show. We've got uh, our management company that gets us corporate businesses that pay to add, add on the show. So every time we do something, it's free. Um, We're going to make that happen. Yeah, dude, I'm telling y'all, it's uh I'll I'll tell you what, if y'all do come uh the next one's coming up real close. It's February the seventh for everybody listening, live oak five to eleven uh at night. And then our next one is in March. I can't remember the date on March, but our March date, if y'all come during that week that we're there recording, y'all can jump on some shows and record with us. Uh we right. we've got some uh cool shows. That's another thing I like to do. Um Joe Rogan, I don't know if y'all are a big fan of him. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I, he, yeah, yeah. he Even when I was working in radio years ago, he was my guy. Like, he's the guy that has led me to a lot of things that like, – I fucking started doing mushrooms because of Joe Rogan, to be real with you. Like, I was like, okay. And then, by the way, if y'all don't microdose, microdose. 
It is. I was going to ask you about that. We'll come back to it for yeah. sure. So, but um, one of the things that he does that I absolutely love, he's the biggest fucking podcaster out there. But he knows what it's like to be a struggling comedian. He knows what it's like for somebody to start off. So he doesn't care who he brings on his show. He brings on good people, and he brings up people that ought to be heard. So, like, when I hear what y'all are doing, and even, like, now in the past 40 minutes while we've been talking, I like y'all even fucking more than the stuff that I saw on social media because it <laughs> ought to be more people like y'all talking. There's enough negative fucking that. bullshit from that 10%. That yeah. I ought to be pushing for that other, that 90, the good 90 that want to be heard. And uh, so that's what I try to do. I try to take people that are good from social media and I mix them. We got a weird now, if y'all are married, uh, we got a weird dynamic. I have a key to success and it's, you take bad bitches, social media personalities and good music and you mix it together. And there's not, you're not going to fail. That's why we have a lot of these OnlyFans girls and shit on the show. I mean, sex yeah. sales. And yeah. uh, we didn't notice. Yeah, yeah I bet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what every time somebody comes to my page, they're like, what the fuck? Did, how do you get these girls to come out? And it's like, they like what I do, and we don't really sexualize them. We use yeah. them because they're hot as fuck. But we don't, yeah. like, we're not, my buddies and nobody else all the time, like, hey, girl, what's your OnlyFans? Or, hey, what's that mouth do? Or anything like that. Like, we treat them like a normal fucking person. And here's the thing. Yeah. Whores, whores like being treated like normal people. It's, yeah. it's a I great do, thing. Not not that she's a whore, but I just listened to the Modern Day Cowgirl Oh, she's a episode. badass. She sounded so fucking cool, man. Yeah. And and I, I've, never, I've never paid for anybody's OnlyFans. But after the episode, I'm like, I, I kind of want to support this chick. She's like, she's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, know? you, you would be surprised there. Any of the ones that are around us that have the only fans, they're really more than tits and ass. And I mean that in all due respect, they're all great people. And they just found a fucking way to make a massive amount of money by not having to work a nine to five. I don't believe we were put here to work a nine to five. I, I think now we're you, talking. I, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't. I think you are supposed to be, regardless of what you do or what your dreams are, you're supposed to be chasing your dreams. Now, some people you can't make a living off your dreams, so you ought to have to. You ought to. You got to work a fucking job to support your dream. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, who the fuck is going to sit there? I saw a meme one time, and it stuck with me. And it's the only person, the only people that are going to remember you worked overtime in forty years are your kids. Mm -hmm. and it's like yep. who, who gives a fuck like exactly. it's it's i i think you have to make yourself happy more than anything and being stagnant and being in a situation where you're miserable every fucking day even if you got to work a nine to five find something that when you get off at five you can invest your time into to re to regain your happiness yeah now we're we're on the same page like we chase the freedom not the money i think the yeah. time you know what I mean? I mean, now I I know to have the freedom, you need to have some money, yep. but the money isn't the target. The freedom is the target and yep. whatever vehicle we use to get there, like this podcast, it's gained some legs over the past few months. And we're like, well, I, we want to monetize it. We want yeah. to be able to, if we could, if we could build a life, we've already built the lives we have now on purpose, intentionally, not by accident, right. To be able to do stuff like this, but now what's the next level? Let's try to build it even more so we could have more interactions like this. And, you know, I could, 
I could take my wife down to Nashville for a weekend and, uh, and go hang out with you. Right. Yeah. Because that's what we would want to do. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's really what we're after. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. Fuck yeah. a nine to five. You well, know what I mean? Well, what is, what is insane? I already kind of had that mindset, but like my hero, my, it was my papa, my granddaddy. And he passed away Christmas morning of Oh one. And mm. at his funeral, it was like a bolt of lightning hit me at his funeral on the screen when they're like showing all the pictures and everything of his life or whatever. There, there was no pictures of him working his life away. There was only pictures of him and my Mima before she passed away and all the places that they went to. They fucking went everywhere. And the smile that was on his face from him venturing out it just reinforced the idea I already have in my head that like at the end of the day, it really is about the memories. It's about the life that you live. It's not about the money in your bank account. It's literally about what did I do to make me happy and the people that I care about happy. And ever since then, I, I've all, I've kind of had a fuck it mentality. It's where I was already decent at this, but I knew that, in order for this to grow and be better, I had to treat every single show. Because when I first started this show, I just got big social media personalities. That's all I got. I was like, ah, that's what I've got to do. And I came from working in radio, so I already had a big following. So right off the bat, the show was already a success. <laughs> we got a management company reach out to us after two months of just dropping episodes. And... I just had social media personalities on there. Well, leading up to my papa passing away, I was like, man, I'm getting bored with this. Like I'm getting bored of talking to these people that have no depth that that mm. literally they're going to say just enough on this show or whatever they do in social media. So they can just be a success in social media. They don't mm. care about making a difference. They don't care yeah. about, improving somebody else's life and then i started saying fuck that what am i passionate about i'm gonna start getting those people and good people on the show and the show's got even like it's, it's just kept growing by that and i just really think you have to make a choice at some point in time in your life are you choosing happiness are you just going along to till the end of the day like you, yeah. there's, there's really no other option. Like I'd rather live in a fucking cardboard box now and be happy than have. I've been happy in a cardboard box. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of people that lived in a one bedroom apartment that wish they could fucking go back because they didn't realize the stress of yeah. everything else in their life was going to cripple them. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's a, that's a great. I do, have, great point. I do have a question. So, uh, because I love music, huge part yep. of my life. I, I play music. I'm very blessed. I have an ear for music. Jerry fucking played too in a band. What this is something that always comes up. I've been to Nashville before, and uh, and and I'm always I'm always into the nuances of things, and yeah. um, just like I love stand up comedy, and I like like I like the green room setting. I like the guys that are in the, like coming from sports. I like the locker room setting. You know Me the too. guys really talking about. It. So I always think like, how often can you walk into a bar in Nashville? And you can, and how the fuck do you, first off, how can that guy or girl separate themselves with all that talent? Cause you know, anybody, you can get a lot of good singers, but how do you get somebody that can write a song or who's not doing a top 40? How often can you walk into a bar and be like, 
that person, like somebody like puts their actual heart out there and you walk in, you're like, that person's right there. They got something like how, how, how hard is that to find in all of that big pool? Every single night. Uh, but this, really? is what you, this is what you got to do. Never go to Broadway. If you want to have a good time and you want to hear every song you've ever heard on fucking radio that somebody else has already made a success, it's yeah. on Broadway. I'm going to okay. get in a lot of trouble with fucking some musicians for this because I got some buddies that play on Broadway. But Jake Blue, this ain't going out to you. S.J. McDonald ain't going out to you. Blaine, Bunning. <laughs> Blaine Bunning, this ain't going out to you. Okay? Those people that are playing Broadway bars – for the majority are the best of a house band at anywhere in this country. A house mm -hmm. band is not anybody you're ever going to hear on country radio. Yeah. Go to Bluebird Cafe, Live Oak, where we host shows, uh, Losers and Winners. Um, I'm probably leaving a couple out with the, oh, the fucking local. Shout out to Mr. Jeff. Um, go to those places and go to the Raised Rowdy Rounds. The why not rounds? Um, yeah. who else? Um, the freak show, uh, all of those. They are where you are gonna hear the people that you will hear on radio. And if you don't hear them on radio, you're gonna hear their song on radio. Yeah. The best music in Nashville, dude, is not on Broadway. It's not even fucking yeah. close. Uh mm -hmm. it, it is at the songwriters' rooms. And what's really sad, yeah. and this will piss you off if you love music the way you do, the best music on Nashville, the best shit going right now, 90% of it will never get cut by yeah, anybody yeah. besides that artist because it doesn't fit the fucking mold anymore. The best songs out there's a guy who, uh, he's a huge songwriter, but I love hearing him play anyway. His name is Bobby Pinson. Uh, me and Bobby are buddies. When we get done with this, look up all the number ones that he's wrote yeah. for other people. But look up his music. Look okay. up fucking Ford Fairlane. Look up The Shave. Look up all of these fucking songs. Um, don't ask me how I know. And it's just like, why Why did this never make it? Why, yeah. why the fuck is this not out there? Why is Bobby's name not in a bigger mention everybody's listening to this right now in nashville are gonna be like you ass kisser because bobby's a big deal but he <laughs> he's literally took me under his wing and been good to me and yeah but being around him has made me realize how fucking great he is uh wow. but there's so many guys like that dude there's there's so many men and women um and it's even harder for women to break through this is very very through. hard okay. uh the best women i have ever heard are the ones that are at writer's rounds and you listen to them and no disrespect to like Elaine Wilson is fucking amazing. She deserves everything she gets. She played these writer's rounds. Like you can go look on YouTube right now and you can look up where three or four years ago, she was playing at live Oak. Like all these artists have came through and done these things. Yeah. And for somebody to stand out, I really do think it's right place, right time being in front of the okay. right person. Uh, there's a lot of people you're going to see on TikTok, and you're like, how the fuck are they not bigger? Like, yeah. they're fucking amazing. <laughs> Bad thing is, they probably don't fit a mold, and the, yeah, people that hold, the people that hold the keys to that kingdom, they're going to keep it that way. That's where I really do hope, though. Um, are y'all familiar with Brian Martin? No. no. All right, Brian Martin's a, a real fucking good friend of mine. 
Uh, he stayed with us the whole last time we were in uh, Nashville. But he's opening up for like 15, 20 dates this year for Morgan Wallen. He's had a couple Dang. songs that have blown up on TikTok. Uh, and he's he's had a couple that have just really popped up on iTunes and shit to where I think he might even had a number one on iTunes. But Go Brian, Brian, if y'all look him up real fast, you'll yeah. realize probably who he is and some of his music. But Brian worked in the fucking oil fields for 10, 15 years after he tried it in music for the first time. And then it yeah. just came around to where he finally hit. We were at the bar and he showed us uh, about last year sometime on his Spotify, like his his analytics on Spotify. And from like 2017 to 2001 or two, they are flatlined, flatlined. And then all of a sudden, millions. Hmm. And it's just like it doesn't matter how good you are. It's yeah. you got to have the right thing at the right time. The guy was just telling you about Bobby Pinson. We did a show with him when he was releasing the shave at Seagill. And he said something to me that will stick with me the rest of my life. If you're a songwriter or anything like that, he said, you got to write one great song before you can write a whole lot of good ones. And those good, uh -huh. ones, are, and those good ones are that mailbox money. That's where you're <laughs> going to have a job the rest of your life. But yeah. if you don't write that great one, nobody's ever going to fucking notice you in the first place. Yeah. I'm, I, I think I had a bad tour guide when I was in Nashville because we kept, I, we were probably on board, uh, board, Broadway. Uh, yeah, Broadway. And I kept going to those bars. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, I'm like, this person has a great voice. This band is fucking, their cadence is great. But I'm like, I don't believe this dude. You look like, and you it's like not a song. I don't believe him. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I ain't, I ain't, you know what I mean? Like, I ain't believe, I'm not like, yo, let me get a drink. This guy's fucking, you know what I mean? I don't uh, believe I it. it. I didn't believe it's it's yeah. background noise, dude. That's all it is. Um, yeah. I mean, but think about That's it. That's why I was curious. But think about it like this, though. The best person in your town, the best person musically in your town is going to say, in order for me to make it, I've got to go to Nashville. And everybody in your town probably is like, damn, that person's really good. Okay? Every one of those people in every town all over this country go to Nashville. Yeah. When you get there, there's a 100 other people in that line that you're in on that day. So every mm. single day of the week, there's another hundred people coming to town that were the best in their hometown. So yeah. do, you, do you get a bunch of people looking like, Hey man, can I get a song from you? I need something to stand me out. Like I get a lot of people that want to do the show. Uh, yeah, but I've got a reputation now that I'm a cunt, uh, when it comes to this stuff, All right. <laughs> uh, I almost ask people not to send me music to let me hear you live first. Yeah. Because uh well, organic. Well, my thing is I can't I can't promote you unless I believe in you. Yeah. I can't I can't put you stuff out there unless I believe in you. I'm not the best songwriter. The the funny part of that is I didn't start writing music till two years ago. Two two, three years ago. But what it was is growing up, I loved writing poetry. I got a poem that was published in Young Poets of America. And when I, that happened, our school announced it, like I'm in middle school. And school made an announcement. I was a jock. So what was fucked up, and I still... still <laughs> Exposed still, yourself. Still stays with me to this day, and I'm still pissed off at myself that when that happened, I got called fag, and I got called gay, and I got called all this other stuff because I liked writing poetry, and I was way better at writing poetry than I was at playing sports, to be honest with yeah. you. And that would have just led to me picking up a guitar, playing the piano, writing music eventually. like That's what it would have led to. But when that happened and I got called those names, I decided I never 
wanted to do this again. I let these other kids take away yeah. my passion. I let them take away Damn. what I was actually good at. So until 2021, 2022, we did a show with a company, um, organization out of Nashville called Creative Vets. If you don't know what Creative Vets is, please go look them up. They are an organization that Richard Casper started. My buddy Jesse Wayne Taylor is their head writer, uh, Mr. Kyle and all them. What they've done is when a veteran is suicidal, when they have mental health issues, when the VA isn't helping them, when the opioids and all this kind of stuff isn't helping them anymore and they're lost, they teach these men and women how to write songs and to put their pain into songs. And they teach them how to make actual art, create artwork. I like and, that. And, dude, I'm telling you, there's a song, if you want to cry today, if you're tenderhearted, or you could be a bad motherfucker and still hear this song, there's a song called They Call Me Doc. And Vince Gill and Aaron Lewis released it. Aaron okay. Lewis is singing lead on it, but Vince is backing it up. But it's a creative vet song. And it is from a guy who was a field medic. And he would have to tell these men and women every day that we're going to pass away in the field of battle or whatever. You're going to be okay. okay. He had to, he had oh, to, oh, yeah. and, and that's why oh. they, they call me doc. It is gotcha. one of the best fucking songs I have ever heard, but that song would have never came to be if it wasn't for creative vets and that organization teaching how to take the pain and shit away from these guys and giving them something to be proud of. I would I would think letting them know that they kind of have an experience that lends itself to really good writing. Oh, absolutely. You mean, yeah. Like, you mean every, like everything they've got. Jesse, uh, who just did my show last uh last month at Live Oak, he did a song that's called Unbreakable. I think it's called Unbreakable. Um, I'm gonna look it up because he's gonna get pissed at me if I fucking don't get this right. Uh <laughs> I know he'll get mad. Unbroken. It's unbroken. Unbroken. And he wrote it with this guy. And dude. I'll hook y'all up with a guy, and I, if y'all don't want to run through a brick wall for this fucker after, because he needs a lot of exposure. His name is Chris Bickle. He okay. did, did like 20-plus years, special forces, bad motherfucker. Got an amazing story. He's got a country name. Yeah, he, he's he's just the fucking best. That's Chris Bickle. That's a NASCAR yeah. name. Hell, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, after he got done with service, he was in a very dark place. He was in a very – he got – I can't remember the whole thing, but he didn't want to get out. But he was forced out, I think is what the deal is. And hmm. he was in a very dark place. And Creative Vets took him in, uh, him and his family, to help teach him how to write music and stuff now. And now the dude yeah. is just, he's an inspiration to a lot of people. He's a great episode. He's a great yeah. person. Uh, first time I heard his story, I swear. Uh, I remember sitting across from him and uh, another guy from Creative Vets. And... I almost was like, fuck this podcast. Let's go have some beer and just tell me about your life. Yeah. Like, yeah I mean, he's just an amazing human. That's being. awesome. And you, and you have, and Vince Gill, you said is, is out there. He, he's held in high regard with you guys as far like a singer songwriter, right? Vince Gill's one Helping. of my, my favorite artists yeah. of all time. I don't yeah, have I watch a, a lot. Yeah. I don't have a personal relationship with him at all. Except yeah. I almost, uh, there's a golf tournament every year, uh, at old Hickory in Nashville. It's for creative vets. And the past two years, we've got to play in it. And this is literally everybody from Jelly Roll to Aaron Lewis to Vince Gill, Brantley Gilbert, anybody you think gets to go play at this golf tournament because we've done some shows with them. We've got invited to, to play in it every year. 
Um, and they like that we give them some exposure and all that kind of stuff. And we talk about them a lot. But last year, uh, I don't get starstruck at all. Last year, Vince Gill was standing in front of me at the driving range. I didn't notice him because there's so many people out there. He's two feet away from me. And I'm not the best golfer anyway. And one of my buddies sends me a text message, and I look down. He's like, you know Vince Gill's in front of you? I popped a ball up that landed two fucking feet <laughs> in front of Vince Gill. And all I could think about was this is how I'm going to meet Vince Gill is I'm going to fucking shank a ball into his ear, and he's going to hate me the rest of his life. So I'll be in there thinking about my one-liner, like picking it up, like, you got you to gotta get a quick one in. <laughs> ah, yeah, dude, this – yeah, but Vince is one of those. I've never got a chance to be around him. I know Jesse Wayne has. Um, that kind of music is my music. Like I, yeah, I, I for love, sure. I love that traditional ass. I'm, my biggest two are Keith Whitley and George Jones. Yeah. And then Hell Vince, yeah. Vince is probably top 15 for me. That's awesome. You know, I, uh, yesterday I shot you the email, and I'll try to reach out to some people every day or multiple times a week just – and legit just taking chances, right? Yeah. Like, to be completely honest with you, you were one of the ones I was like, this motherfucker ain't going to respond to me. <laughs> and and you and you were the one that did within, like, 20 minutes, something like yeah. that. But uh, one of the other ones I reached out to yesterday was uh, Priscilla Block. You know, she, uh, yeah. she is. Yeah, Because, dude, I'm, I'm a fan. One, she looks like a lot of fucking fun. Oh, like, yeah. I'm I, pretty sure I could get down with, with Priscilla pretty good. Um, but I'm like, you know what? This will be a fucking blast. One, I think she's smoking hot. Two, she seems like a really good fucking time. She duck hunts, all this other great shit, pounding beers, pounding drinks. So I shot her management company an email. I haven't heard back yet, but if you hear this, Priscilla, holler back at the dude dads. Come on. Come on. <laughs> uh good luck with that one. Um I, I love <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, me and <clears throat> I'll give y'all a little bit of advice. Uh, and this is just from me. Don't take it as insult, nothing like that. Uh, Cause I don't mean it that way. People like her. I don't even ask to do my show. Um, really? Not because she's a bad person. She's a wonderful human being. She is a sweetheart. Every time she sees me, she hugs my neck. Um, it's just, they're so busy. They're, yeah. they're just like, I used to get kind of offended when I'd message somebody that eat, like I even knew, like there's, mm. there's people that I've known that I know and they know that I have a good reputation. They know the shows up there in rankings and all this other kind of shit. And I'd be like, why is this motherfucker not getting back with me? And when it comes down to it, they, they don't have time for themselves during the day. And until you get to be around them and see that environment, you don't fucking realize that that's like legit, they don't have time for them. And it, I'm it's, sure it's fucked yeah. up. It's not that I would say this, knowing her as a human being or anybody else. Well, I'll just use her. I know that if she had time, she'd love to do it because she's just a good person. But yeah. it's her having time. It's any of those folks yeah. having time. I I'm do. sure my, yeah. my mentality is always like, well, if I don't ask, the answer is always no. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Fuck I, it. I have to get better. I'm real bad about waiting until the last minute to book shit. Because like I told you a while ago, I'm not doing this shit no more where I'm just going off of somebody's social media following. I want to find people that are good, a good conversation, 
that yeah. it's good. It's good content. Um, it's wholesome content, or it's a shit show, and a shit show is fucking fun too. But I just don't want it to be blah. I don't yeah. want it to be like a podcast isn't an interview. I don't care what anybody says. It's a fucking conversation. People yep, that yeah. are listening to this right now, they're gonna be like, man, I I felt like I eavesdropped on their conversation, and that's what yeah. it's supposed to be. Yeah. And uh, it, it's hard to to navigate that. But when I saw y'all's email came through yesterday, uh, I was fitting to get on the golf course. And I was like, I already seen y'all stuff on where we followed each other on Instagram. And I was like, why not check this? Like, why why not? Like, it seem, they seem cool from what I've seen. And I was like, why the fuck not? And then talking to y'all, it was a good move. I, like, I, I told you earlier, I'm a Christian. I believe in signs a lot. I believe that yeah, shit gets yeah, put yeah. on your plate. Uh, I I clip it out every time I come across any time that I say this, but it's you're not always where you you want to be, but you're always where you're supposed to be. And yeah. as soon as you actually realize that, you stop thinking that you're having a bad day, and you start thinking you're having a learning yep. experience, right? Like it's all in perception yeah. of how you view what's going on in your life. And yeah, yeah. I just said it on a show earlier this week. I was like, I know that I'm doing good at what I do because little things keep getting dropped to me. So mm. that's where I was like, when I say I was email come through, I was like, I already know it's going to be a good show. I already had that yeah. mindset to where I, I'm probably going to reach out to these guys anyway, but since they reached out to me first, why not fucking go ahead and do it? Yeah. You got to learn how, like what I say, you got to learn how to read the universe. Dude, yeah. You gotta, and you got to be looking. You know, you got to, yeah. the world and God will give yeah. you signs, but you got to be ahead on swivel looking for that shit. Well, I, yeah, I, and don't and not pushing it away. You yeah. don't want to ignore oh, yeah. it and push it away yeah. either. You know, I don't, I don't think necessarily you got to. I'm hard headed, so I think to me and the good Lord have got on such a good page that He knows how stupid I am and how oblivious <laughs> to shit I am to where when He gives me a sign or something, He's like, "You got it." Like it's this. This is where you're supposed to go. Um, the thing that I try my best to tell people that. If you're trying to figure out if you're living right or whatever you're doing, if your podcast is going good, if your career is going good, whatever it is, then you get little rewards without asking for them. You get stuff, good shit happens to you without you seeking it. And that's yeah. the signs. Like when something gets dropped on your plate, let's go ahead and assume like this is what I'm supposed to be doing today. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great way to look. I heard you say that uh one of your shows. You probably say it a lot. Because it's try to. you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a it's such great advice. Um, so I've listened to a few of your things, uh, a few of your shows, in like the past week, and uh, you have going back to this mushroom thing. You've got the uh, that's one of your sponsors, right? This company. Yeah, they better fucking relist this month. Uh, but yeah, it's Buzzwax. Um, and then their website is K O O K A. Inc.com. I have to look at that shit every time because I can't remember it. I don't even know how to say it. Yeah. But um, yeah, they uh and you could buy this shit like online and it gets mailed to you. Yeah. But um there that's the legal stuff. I will I, and like first off, there's a biz big misconception about mushrooms. They're right. not technically illegal. Yeah, there's nobody that is bringing in droves of mushrooms from other countries or anything <laughs> like that. Like the only reason why marijuana or mushrooms were ever fucking deemed illegal in the first place is because me and you can walk out to our backyard and we can grow 
That is it. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you go look, there's a documentary called How to Change Your Mind on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I tell every single person that starts talking to me about microdosing or mushrooms, the same thing. Go watch How to Change Your Mind on Netflix. It starts from why they're outlawed. That it starts from this every great benefit of doing them and doing them the right way. We were told growing up, hey, if you drink shroom tea or you're tripping or whatever, you're going to lose your fucking mind. Bad shit's going to happen to you. Well, that's because morons would put 20,000 20, milligrams without knowing how many milligrams you were doing into shroom tea or whatever, and you would lose your fucking mind. You'd go to another universe. You'd see shit you didn't mm. want to see. Microdosing is a thousand milligrams or less. And that is what any doctor would tell you to do if you just want the benefits for mental health. And it is amazing. Uh, also, I would recommend that you find uh, someone that has it in milligrams, not just giving you fucking mushrooms, but even if it are mushrooms, that, that a chemist can tell you how many fucking milligrams it is. Everybody once in their life needs to do a psilocybin trip. If you have okay. anxiety, if you have depression, if you have PTSD, if you have any of these things, do one psilocybin trip and you, it'll change your life. It'll change everything about yeah. you. What if you don't have those things? Uh, it'll probably make you love yourself more. It'll probably make you grateful for the things you have in life. Okay. Uh, it makes you appreciate. You you yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's, I want, there's no negative effects. Get what you need. So yeah, I've, uh, I, I've, I've never done it. Always said I want to, uh, I didn't even have any weed products until we'll see. Fuck, like four years. Nah, more than four I'm, years I'm ago. the same Maybe until six I six years out, ago until I found out THC was good for mental health. I did. Yeah. I, until I was really? about 31, I didn't do anything. Shit, yeah. So it's a high in eighth grade. So yeah. <laughs> and like, and even now, like all I do is eat some, eat some gummies Yep. Or some candy or something like that. Usually, if um, if like work's got me stressed out or something like that, I'll take it right before bed. I get like the best night's sleep yeah. ever. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, it, for me, all it does is just relax me and and make me sleepy. I don't, you know, I don't get any kind of it, it's. And then and then you wake up feeling amazing. There's no hangover. That's there's, the best part. There, yeah, there's you you feel better than when you went to bed. Yep. You know, it's like fuck, man, nothing hurts on my body. Like I feel like well rested, you know. Um, but now, so you know, now it's like if we go somewhere like Vegas and we could snag a bunch and come home. Um, or now it's legal in, in Maryland. We, we just I drive forty five minutes to go to yeah, uh, to yeah, yeah. And goodbye. In Maryland, you can go get it now. <laughs> but I'm definitely interested in this company that you talk. I heard you talk about on the it's on the sun, one you did with it's girls. Sunset at. Sunset City. Uh, let me make okay. sure that it's Sunset City. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, they're they're from. Um, fucking Canada, and it does take it takes about two weeks for the stuff to get to you, and you have to pay for it kind of a weird way. I mean, you have to pay. They send you an invoice, but it ends up uh yeah Sunset City, um, dot ca. I don't know why it's that, but it's Sunset City. I'll send y'all the link real fast. while I got it pulled okay. up. Um, okay, yeah, I was Gary. I was Gary to yeah, type it down. I'm, but I'm just gonna go ahead and send it to you. But you um, so so why didn't you two? Why didn't y'all try weed younger? Uh, you go ahead. I, I honestly, it was I was really stereotypical. I just associated it with 
bad, not bad people. Cause I knew good people I had friends that did it, but it just was never, it never like never had any desire to, I think when I was young, I focused more on being an athlete. Yeah. And, and then after that, it was like, I was, I was still working out kind of in the health and fitness and like that. And then just like, that's not for me. That's not yep. what I do. And then you realize, well, yeah, well, what the fuck? You see all these great things. Like, all right, let me try it. And then you're like, oh, this is really fucking phenomenal. Yeah. You know? Uh, it was really three reasons for me. Sports was big one. I grew up in a house with addicts, and mm. I never wanted to do anything. My sister and me are complete opposites to where my sister used it as an excuse to do everything, but I used it as the excuse not to do anything. I, I mm. didn't. I didn't even drink or anything until I had my first drink at my senior prom. And then after that, wow. I don't think I drank for like a little while or whatever. Um, drugs or whatever, like I was just scared to death of them. But the third reason is the stigma behind it. Like yeah. it, it is that you think that everybody that does it is a fucking crack kit. You think that everybody, like they even look back at the fucking commercials we had during the nineties that, oh, that one, that one to where a little brain. girl gets hit on a fucking bicycle because the guys are high as fuck in the, in the line at Hardee's or whatever. The truth is that would have never fucking happened. What would have happened is that guy, if they were that high as they made that dude look, he'd have fucking sat in his car and not known it was moving. Like yeah. he, he, he would have never hit the fucking gas. If he saw a kid, like that's yeah. not, it was yeah. it was what they put out there to us. Uh, but also, too, like I told you a while ago, big conspiracy theory nut. Everything goes back to Big Pharma. Everything goes back to Big yep. Pharma. They hate weed. They hate mushrooms. They hate anything that me and you can fucking grow that is going to take money out of their pocket. Go yeah, look yeah. at the fucking VA now. The VA oh, no. is offering ketamine treatments. For yeah. with severe PTSD and everything else, instead of giving you antidepressants, yeah, doing ketamine drips. Yeah, like okay, yeah. this is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, I'm telling you those the micro dosing. I have not done it since New Year's. I went very hard on New Year's with hallucinogenics, uh, <laughs> but I had planned it out. Like I knew I was in a safe place and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've dropped this on a show yet or not. I even did LSD that night. Uh, but, but, but watch the documentary. As soon as you say something like that, everybody's like, Oh, he's a fucking crackhead. Watch the fucking documentary, how to change your mind. They even talk about LSD in it. See the, like I said, the biggest problem with all of that shit is you used to have people that were giving you stuff and not giving you a milligram or a dosage. Yeah. Now, they have it to where you can microdose LSD, you can microdose mushrooms, and you get the effects that scientists set up when they've discovered these things back in the 40s and 50s. You get the mental health benefits, you get the physical benefits, you yeah. get all the shit you're supposed to. Now, once again, anybody fucking listening, if you go do 10,000 milligrams, of something and you message me and you're like, Oh my God, that was so bad. Yeah. You don't fucking do 10,000 milligrams. You, you do. what <laughs> yeah. you, It's called a micro dose for a fucking reason. Like, yeah. But yeah. also too, what happens if you take a whole bottle of aspirin? Oh yeah, you did. You're dead. Yeah. Same thing yeah. with anything. Like it's fucking, yeah. you have to take it in moderation. You have to take it the way that it's supposed to be taken for you to get the benefits of it. 
Yeah. Right. When I used to go out uh, in high school, I would go when I'd go to parties and my, my household's very open. So like, uh, you know, my parents knew when I was going out to drink. They knew I smoked weed and it was all on the table. So if I, you know, if, if I needed a ride, he was like, dude, just fucking call me. I'll be driving around. And, uh, but he'd always like, before I left, he'd be like, don't take anything on your tongue. Don't take yeah. anything that's been put in the cooler like dots. I'm like, what the fuck are dots? He's like, purple micro dots. I'm like, bitch, what did you fucking party on back in the day? And then when I got home, I'd have to, he would want to come stare in my eyes to make sure I didn't take anything crazy. Oh, God <laughs> almighty, man. Yeah, yeah I, I I've never fucked anything like that. Yeah, I wish. I've never, I'm literally, only thing I've ever done are mushrooms and weed. And the only reason I've ever done them is literally the mental health aspects of them and yeah. what they're set up for. I'm not somebody like I'm around musicians. There's probably mounds of cocaine within our arms reach everywhere the fuck I go, but there's no health benefits to doing cocaine. Like yeah. there, There's nothing that's going to become good out of that. In my mind, I, I dive into shit so much before I do anything. And anybody, I'm telling you, dude, there's, if you do shit the way it's supposed to, not yeah. a crazy way, yeah. it's fucking great for you. Yeah, the way the way I even use just weed now, like when I was younger, I used yeah. it to party. So like back in college was the best. I you know I love humans. So like if I was about to go to a party with two hundred people, I would I would get as high as I possibly could just to get you know I would you know just to get ready I put my glasses on I'm like I am about to interact with all of these aliens in here like this is gonna be the fucking best and have 45 minute conversations no one's gonna be known that I'm fucking stoned out of my mind you know and I and then I don't do that no more yeah. and now I'm like all right I use it to go to sleep for some inflammation you know what I mean like or you know what I mean like that's it you know See, the only was, thing I've ever wanted I didn't say wanted but I would I probably irresponsibly would try you probably you may have tried it for his ecstasy no i do i never i never I did tried it one, i've done it one time so i like in my mind you can tell me if i'm wrong is like i just the curiosity and the irresponsible human in me is like i want to have some ecstasy and then like just go in the bedroom with pam and then just fucking fuck and see how that is because I've heard stories and it you just sounds fun. Yeah, probably the people that tell those stories, they're not just doing ecstasy, to be real with you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Once again, documentary, Netflix, How to Change Your Mind. They talk about ecstasy, they talk about okay. the MDMA in it. MDMA is the thing that at least releases the happy endorphins in your brain. Yeah. Now, ecstasy is not something that you should fucking do. All the fucking time. I would tell everybody, fuck it, try it once. I mean, if you're an adult, try it one time, try it in a safe setting. Um, and it, you're just happy. You're overly fucking happy, happy, overstimulated. Uh, if anything, I don't think you just fuck like crazy on it. You're probably more passionate. <laughs> you're probably more okay. passionate than anything. Uh, I just, I don't know. That one's a weird one for me because there's not a micro dose of that. Right. Mm, yeah. So like with that one, that is an overindulgence. That is turning something that you should have had at a one up to a 10, but there's really not any negative side effects of it either. Like it's supposed to do something to drain something. I think that's the bad part of it. 
Um, I know after I did it the next day, I felt fucking super stupid. Like, hmm. like my brain couldn't register some stuff. I, I will still remember this. Uh, you know, like the red reflector road signs. Mm-hmm. I, I remember going down the road and it should have been completely out of my system. And it probably was, but it does something to your brain to where like, I saw this red reflector road sign and I stopped at it as almost if it was a stop sign. It kind of, hmm. it, it kind of like fucks with you a little bit to where like you come back to all your senses and everything come back to normal. It takes a, like a day or way longer than what I liked. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah that would make me feel uncomfortable for yeah, sure. Like the, yeah. I don't, that one's not, like I said, do it. Try it once. If you're going to try it, it's great. If you're in the right environment, probably, but I wouldn't, I I've done it once. That's all I'm ever doing it. I'll put it that way. Like I don't ever need that overstimulation again. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty overstimulated is like my baseline. Yeah. Like I'm pretty wound up, you know, or like I don't know. Like I enjoy things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I would I would guess that it would just make all the things I like normal just times ten, you know. Um but and I probably never would do it. I don't I don't even know where the fuck you would get it. Like I'm that's not, that's that's I'm the kind not, of guy I'm I am not like right right mindset to do anything like that or try anything or think about it anymore. If I was like in college or in my early twenties or whatever, be, I would I I'll tell I didn't you even what, want it then. I'll make a deal with you. I would make a hundred percent deal with you guys. If y'all watch that documentary that I told you and you did an episode the day before it, and you did an episode a day after it. A few microdose. You would be on there and you will talk about how you want to do this once a month for the rest of your life and how much it helped you. Like even in, in the documentary, it's one of the things that sold me on it. There are on, I think it's on the second episode where they're really focusing on psilocybin. There's a woman that's 78 years old that has cancer. And this woman is like any grandma you've ever seen. She is straight laced, never done shit or whatever. And they talk her into doing a psilocybin trip. She has been struggling real bad with the fact that she has cancer and her depression. Well, after she does the psilocybin trip, they interview her. And she's at peace. And she tells on there, she's like, look, I know this cancer is eating me alive. I know it's going to be the death of me pretty much. But what I've been, what's been killing me is the fact that I'm going to be leaving my family behind. I'm going to be leaving all this that I've spent my whole life getting to, I'm just leaving it behind and I don't have any control over it because of this disease. After she did the psilocybin trip, she realized I've lived an amazing life. My family is, it will eventually have peace. The more that I have peace with them leading up to my death, they'll have just a, such a better life. I've already lived mine. And it's not mm. that she wanted to quit fighting and quit chemo or nothing like that. It was none of that. She just realized that if it's my time to go, I've I've lived, I've loved, like all this kind. Of, it gives you peace of mind to where the best example I try to give anybody since you were born, you've had a fog created around your brain from every show you've watched, from every traumatic experience in your life, from every argument from everything. You have a fog that you cannot control. And that is what makes you act a certain way in situations. Like you just can't, it's just things that you've been taught. So you act upon them. There's shit we do every day that is because of something else in our life. 
when yeah. something happened earlier in our life. When you start microdosing, it's like somebody takes a fucking squeegee and starts pulling back that fog to where you're just learning how to be happy again. The things that have happened mm -hmm. to you are in the past. Like they're not affecting you anymore. There, like I said, there's a reason why the VA is doing ketamine. There's a reason yeah. why going to do a ayahuasca treatment. Um, also, uh, Real Sports, I don't know what episode it is, Real Sports on uh, HBO. You can look this episode up. They take, I think it's 10 professional athletes that have CTE. Uh, some of them football players. Some of them are MMA. And I think even uh, Jim Kelly, the quarterback from the Bills in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I think even he's on this one, or it might be a different one. They take them to do a ayahuasca treatment. And every one of them, every single one of them, after the ayahuasca treatment, after the effects have wore off in everything, they all talk about how it's almost like their brain is fixed. Like mushrooms, mushrooms is the only thing that refires synapses in your brain. You ever heard the, I can't remember the dude's name. There's a theory and this is so fucking wild, but it's so wild that it's believable. So like, I don't know if y'all believe in evolution and all this kind of shit. I believe in evolution, even though it contradicts some shit in the Bible, mm -hmm. like evolution is definitely a thing. There's no way that it's yeah. not. Okay. Sure. If we've all been around animals, uh, humans, everything else, how come we're the only one that's progressed? How, how mm. come we're the only one that we started off as a Neanderthal and we're here now, right? The theory that this guy came up with is we're the ones who had to eat vegetation. We're the ones who had to eat things. So Stone mushrooms are edible thing. Mm -hmm. So mushrooms is probably, in this guy's theory, what caused us to evolve to where a bird hasn't evolved. Uh, That's what Joe Rogan talks about, like the yeah. stoned ape theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah stoned ape theory. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the thing. Like when you think about it and you're like, fuck, maybe, maybe that is what it is. Yeah. Cause I'm telling you, that's, after, yeah, I, I never thought about that. That's pretty I'll, fascinating. I'll tell you what, the one thing Joe Rogan has sold me on that I, I, I think the one problem I have with some of those, uh, we need a new word other than drugs, you know, something that's a little softer, uh, <laughs> uh, a little more sellable, uh, is that they take you like I've been. I've been extremely high. I call them like violent highs, you know, and you're so, you're so conscious still. You, you fucking ride that bad high and you get the yeah. experience at all. But when he talks about DMT launching you so far out of the universe, I'm like that. I think I could do because I'd be so far removed. I want to go, I want to go all the way. This bitch is talking about aliens and and, and uh, that shit. I want to go see that. I want to uh, go, I want to go fly in the universe. Uh, that, yeah. I'm interested in. Same. I, I, I would, I wouldn't mind that either. I think I'm in a good enough place mentally to handle it. I yeah. think, you know what I mean. But, yeah, but who everybody and it, everybody thinks like you have to be in a good place mentally to handle this stuff. You don't. It's gonna put you in a good place mentally. Uh, okay. That's the thing. Like that's why we're giving this kind of stuff to people with mental health issues. They're not in a good place mentally. Uh, it's um, it's, om it's almost cured my anxiety. Uh, I shit you not. Yeah. I have severe anxiety and depression. Since I've started doing this shit in the past year, I almost have no anxiety anymore. I still get anxious every now and then, but it's not like it was. Uh, yeah. It's, it's almost fucking gone. DMT, what's cool about it, and I have not done it yet, is on my list. 
I have a buddy that has done it though, that was with us in Nashville and he's a plus size fellow. He did it. He wanted to wait till all of us left. So he was just there to experience. It only lasts for about 15, 20 minutes, by the way. The EMT yeah. does not last long at all. The experience that you have on it feels longer from what I've been told, but it does not last long. Uh, anyway, when he did the DMT, we had stairs at our Airbnb. And he said that he went to walk upstairs and he was being like led to the stairs or whatever. But he went to go up the stairs. He got to the third step into a step. Let's probably at 20, 30 steps or whatever here. And he got to the third step and it just extended. Like it just looked like it was going to the fucking forever. And the message that he got internally that all he could think about was there. That is, if I don't get healthier, I'm never going to make it to, to the top. I'm never going to make it to where I want to be. So Man. like, so like when Joe Rogan and everybody else talk about their spirits of DMT, that it kills your ego. It, it's just another thing that like that fucking rewires you. There's so much shit that if you want to go look at this, how crazy this is, and Joe Rogan's talked about this, and I, I've looked at a lot of it, the Project Mockingbird shit that the CIA did back in the fucking 60s, right? Mm -hmm. to, to fucking mess with everybody's mind back then. There's no way that, that shit still hasn't gone on uh, in yeah. one way or another, subliminal messages. But even if there wasn't, everything in your life, like I said a while ago, at least you having a fog on your brain. It leads to you being depressed, having anxiety. This shit isn't something you're born with. It's something that that has just happened to you that you can't get rid of. And whether whatever kind of hallucinogenic it is, it seems like all of these things bring you back at, to a state to where I, I've got to make I've got to change something in me. The DMT takes that away from what I've been told. It kills your ego, and it's like. Okay, well, I'm starting over. Like that person's yeah, dead you, and gone. I mean, it's back to a baseline. Everything's mm. real metaphorical with that stuff. Yeah, I, I have hallucinated one time. Uh, it, it uh, it, in college, I was uh, we were running a lot, and uh, so I was going. We were running a lot of practice, and then I was going out and uh, running the mountains in West Virginia at night. And I go out for a very long run, and I run. I don't know who fucking knows, but I go in the mountains, I run, I come back down and I run all the way up to a dorm and I go right to my bed. And at that moment, which I've never experienced a runner's high. Yeah. You know I mean, so I lit out a fucking shit ton of uh, dopamines and uh, I had, I was so, I had the crazy experience. I had, uh, man, it just was like, it, it was, I was so at peace that and, and the room got so bright and white, and God, I swear to goodness, man, God came down and said, "If you're ready, I'll take you right now." <laughs> and, and I and I, it was so fucking real, like because I'm a, I'm a lucid dreamer too, so yeah. I'm so practiced in knowing what I'm dreaming, and that I was like, and I was like, I was like, oh, I'm so at peace, I could step over right now and let's go. And I was like, wait, man, I don't think this one's a dream, brother. Like this one's this one's real. Yeah, uh, this is a real offer. And I backed the fuck out and woke up. I was like, "What in the? I was freaked the fuck out, man. I've never did. Yeah, I'm tell you what. Yeah, every time my fat ass runs too, I see God, but it's probably for a different reason. <laughs> it's probably because I'm out of breath and about to fucking die. Um, oh, no, well, but I th I think that's what our brains. I I really don't 
I'll kind of wrap this back to what I said a while ago. You know, we're not meant here to be working nine to five. We've been fucking programmed to do that. Mm -hmm. Like you're, that's not your brain. That's not what you're supposed to do. It makes no fucking sense. Uh, I'm diving more into that. There's about a hundred fucking families that run this world. Uh, and that we're just working for them. If you're if you're working oh. any type of job, you're working for them. If you're working oh, for yeah. yourself, you're working for yourself. And it's yeah. just like fuck. We're we're almost like ants. There's almost like a fucking oh, yeah. yeah, like that's be all the, we are. yeah, like and that's not that makes no sense to me. It makes no. like the more you realize that you have to be doing what you're meant to be doing or what you feel like you're meant to be doing, and you find such peace and happiness. And whether it's hallucinogenics or whatever the fuck it is, like you start to just realize that it's like, why the fuck am I doing all this? I can't wait. We're going to do that before and after. So we could hit up this company mm-hmm. or make place a little order. Yep. And we'll do it do, before and after. Do this. When you order from them, order three different things. Watch, my pants. watch the documentary for first. Okay. Oh yeah. Make okay. Sure, make sure you're comfortable. With what I'm going to tell you Okay. One, don't have any preconceived notions about what you're about to take. Okay. Don't sit there and think, oh, this is going to hurt me or whatever. It's not. You're not going to fucking experience nothing. Baby step your way, though. If a microdose is 1,000 milligrams, take 500 to start off with to make yourself feel comfortable and to know this isn't going to do shit to me. Mm. That's I don't. I try my best to tell everybody the first time you do it, do half of what they tell you to, so you do not freak the fuck out. Okay. There's no. You're not gonna freak the fuck out on a micro dose anyway. You're just gonna be extremely fucking happy, full functioning. Nothing. You're not gonna even. You're not gonna see nothing. And understand, on micro dose, you don't see shit anyway. Right. Like you're. You're not. Uh. But I would tell you, order they have the psilocybin pills that are 250 milligrams a piece. So like mm-hmm. a bottle like this has got 30 in it. I'd order, excuse me, I'd order one of them. Uh, they also have the actual mushrooms. The they have the penis envy, and I think they have the golden tops. Uh, okay. Penis envies are way better. Um, order them. I think they come in pouches of three, uh, three, uh, yeah, three thousand milligrams. Once again. They know what they're doing. They're a chemist. They know how to do it. So do one third of it. Uh, and then I'd order, and this is going to be the fucking one. Y'all going to be like, fuck no. Get the LSD. Get the get two patches of those. And it's just one a piece. But don't, I definitely don't do them all at one time. Watch the documentary first. See what these things have an effect of. And then do one at a time. Like, skip some days in between but and then find which one makes you clearest like for me (laughs) it's so weird the lsd ones work better than anything else but the the psilocybin pills y'all i would start with psilocybin pills is you think the lsd is one that works the the most for you because it's man-made i think that it's chemically engineered by people that know exactly what the fuck they're doing and right. you're getting the effects that it's intended on it. Uh, yeah, but also, these things don't last but an hour or two. That's uh, it? Yeah. Like, well, you're not, 
like I said, yeah, real time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not doing them for a long experience or a high. You're doing them if you're microdosing. You're doing them for the healthy things. Now the the mental effects that it has on you last. They last. I mean, there's 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 no cutoff point to it. When you have a self realization, first time I did them. I had our two-year anniversary party at the studio. Had a band playing inside the studio. Had about 30, 40 people there. Uh, I decided to do a little bit more than a microdose. I had microdose before, but I wanted to do more because I've been baby-stepping my way up to doing a psilocybin trip. Yeah, I've been, I don't really want party <laughs> on them. I want, I want the full effects <laughs> of them. And so uh, while we were at the party having fun, they made – I walked outside – and it made me realize, like, I didn't have to entertain anymore. I didn't have to be in the party to enjoy myself. I sat mm -hmm. in my truck the rest of the night listening to the music I wanted to listen to instead of the music that people that were in the studio were requesting. I had more fun having that realization that night, and it stuck with me to where now I can tell people no, to where I, I had a, such a problem with that before. I if I don't want to do something like if we're in Nashville and everybody wants to go to Broadway, cause we're with a big group. I know now that I'll have more fun sitting at a bar, probably meeting a stranger and just having a conversation than actually yeah. going to do something that I don't want to do like that. Mm. It, it, those realizations that they give you, they stick with you. Now, now like, uh, what, I mean, for a first time, when, are you taking it like when you're around a bunch of people or when you're at home right before bed, first thing in the morning? Uh, I mean, I think everybody's going to be different. Um, first time that we'd microdosed, I was around four of my buddies and we all did it together. Uh, okay. so, so it was kind of like, just whatever. Um, just where, you knew if something bad happens, I got somebody. Um, it mm -hmm. says in the documentary that especially like with the psilocybin, if you were going to do a psilocybin trip, be around somebody that, is your peace. So what I try to tell everybody, even micro dosing for your first time, be around somebody that is your peace. Somebody that's not going to argue with you. Somebody that you find comfort in. Mm -hmm. And it just seems to like, because everything that's going to happen, you're fully functioning. So you're not going to see shit. It's just what, how you're going to feel. You're going to have an overwhelming sense of happiness without being high. That's the yeah. thing. Like you, you don't get high on this stuff at all. Like, you got me kind of fired up. You got me kind of fired I'm up. Right now. Fucking stoned out yeah. here. I no. <laughs> right, dude. I'm telling you, it's different. Like it's fucking. It is. I've been around it, people. It, it's, it's special, sure. and yeah. make, it's special. But make sure too, like the company I sent you, they're good. Okay. Don't that, just don't just look up like, hey, I want some psilocybin pills. Or mushrooms or something online. <laughs> but they're not nah. illegal either now. That's the thing. They're just not legal. They're not illegal, but they're not legal. Like, there's no mandates. There's no nothing. Like, you can't get in trouble for them. Like, a lot of, so people, think, a lot of people think that you can. But if they were illegal, then there would be something for farmers to clean up their cow shit. Like, and right. get the mushrooms. Yeah. Like, so it's, they're not illegal. Yeah. It's, um, oh, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, going back to dreaming, just curious, you guys, uh, have you have you ever uh, experienced sleep paralysis? Yes. Fuck me, man. 
I have shown Candace what that looks like, and I I get that every so often. Same. And when I was younger, and I was in uh, like a, a high anxiety, low to a very high depression, you know, shitty part of my life. You know, you'd I'd also get the demons mm -hmm. coming up, the, the hag, the, the shadows coming up. But dude, the sleep I just had sleep paralysis uh, probably like two months ago, and Candace knows it now because I will eventually get to screaming in yep. my sleep, and it's fucking crazy. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same way, and you can't. It, it is. The first time it happens, it's the most fucking terrifying experience because I know for me, I legitimately thought I was dying. Yeah. Like I thought I'm like, this is it. I'm fucking dying. I can't move. I can't say something. I'm trying to scream mm. Pam's name. Mm. Yeah. And then I'm <laughs> no, I never came. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh, fuck. I sleep process, dude. I'm fucking because I, I told her, I said one time, I said, I'm such a good, I'm such a good dreamer. I said, next time I get into it, I'm going to scream your name. Yeah, I know in a minute, and I get, and I just got it. And now, crazy. yeah, because now, and I've only had it like four times, but like after the first time, and then I knew what it was. Then the go back rookie numbers, dude. Then go, then go <laughs> back into it. I can calm myself down and go, okay, I'm not dying. This is I'm going to come out of it here in a minute, and eventually I can get something audible out yeah. to like to uh to get myself out. The last time I was like I was napping on the couch and. In my, I knew Pam and Charlotte. Charlotte's my daughter. Pam's my wife. They're leaving, and uh, and I got locked into it. And they were in the kitchen, so yeah. they couldn't see me or hear me. And I was like, I and my phone was sitting on the armchair. Yeah, and I'm like, I have to get to the phone, and I couldn't fucking move. And I'm trying to get their attention, and I heard the door shut, and I there was nothing I could do. And eventually, I just kind of snapped out of it. But it's that's it's, crazy. It is fucking wild. You've never had it before. I don't know if I've ever had that. To be honest with you. It's I don't fucking know. Yeah, 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 I don't. I don't. I don't sleep worth the fuck. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah. I don't yeah. know. You ever had the demon shadows come up at your feet? You know, like you're. Oh uh, now, I, shit like that. I have all the fucking time. I have. <laughs> I have weird shit. I wake up so often throughout the night and I see shit that's not there. All mm. the fucking time. Mm. I Man. like a. Uh, I'm I've good. been I've been blessed too. Uh, my I've had some crazy sleepers in my life. My roommate in college uh, was damn near a narcoleptic, and he would I could get into full conversations with him in his sleep. Um, so many a time I've gotten him. When we were in college. I would I'd like I as soon I would just sit there and listen. In a moment, he would say one thing. I was like, "Oh, I get a, get him talking a little bit more, a little bit more." And then like, I'd be like, "Boner." His name was his name was last name was Boner, so I call him Boner. I was like, Boner, you gotta go. We gotta get up, man. The building's on fire. The fire alarm's going on. He's like, oh shit. All right, man, let's go. And I, so I get him up. all the way out the fucking building. He'd be like, there you go. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> and then my wife, she's the same way. She'll get to talking. She gets up. She'll get out of bed. I haven't got a good video yet. She's gotten smart to me, but like I try to hurry up and get a video of her so she could see it. And she'd be like, I was Oh, come on, man. Don't videotape me. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since well, having children, too, it's gotten worse. You know what I mean? I bet it has. She still does the baby in the bed like, no, 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 no. You know? <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of children, um, let's wrap it up with uh, with old Caitlin. I, I, okay. Y'all are buddies with her, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing her pretty much every day. That's cool. Uh, at, least, she, at, least, at least a few times a week. I know I was telling you yesterday, but she like that show was like our guilty pleasure. Uh, back in the day, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I guess she was like the original. It's like she's one of the OGs, right? Yeah, she started on sixteen and pregnant. Yeah, 
the like she end of the do. first season yeah. or second season, yeah. whatever, 16 and pregnant, right before it kind of switched over to Teen Mom. But yeah, she was she was one of the originals for sure. Uh, how was that show with her? I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. I think it's awesome, man, because we're just we're yeah. friends just bullshitting. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it, it like she had us on Barely Famous uh first. Um and actually I would say Jesus Christ, 80, 90% of our listeners are women. Yeah. And a massive chunk of them are her fans. That's we cool. got really good response from her fans, actually. Um, which even surprised Kale. Um, and then she was on ours not that long ago. And yeah, it was I mean, great, great conversation. We've had great feedback from from all her fans. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been good and we're going to do more stuff, uh, with her in the future. Um, you probably know she just had twins. Yep. Um, so now she's got, I don't know, fucking 14 kids or something like that. No, yeah, it, she, look, she it set, looks like she's got seven, a whole baseball team. Seven. Yeah. Seven, seven kids. So, um, but no, we talked about like, cause we're big outdoor guys. We're like, Hey, why don't you come out on the boat crabbing with us? And we'll we'll film content of fucking Kale Lowry dipping blue crabs off the boat, you know, running the trot line or you know, hanging out stuff like that. The timing didn't work out because of her pregnancy, but we're gonna do more stuff like that as the weather warms up and shit. That's cool. Well, uh, I can see why she liked y'all's interview. I, I y'all are good at this. Like that's one of the things I appreciate that. that. Appreciate that that's man. one of the things that like I always try. I don't really sugarcoat shit, but I also am not a rude person. But I've had to be like with certain people that have wanted to start podcasts or whatever, I've had to be like, yeah, you're good. And then I just kind of cut it off. But y'all are great at doing a conversation. Like y'all, no, I, can I can imagine with her or I'll make sure I message uh, the girl dads when we get off here. They like me a good bit too. And uh, I'll be like, hey, look, just go on with these fucking guys. They're awesome. Yeah. Girl dads, I'm going to call them out again. I did when Kale was on and saying, what the fuck? And then I'll clip this out and I'll send it to them. And they'll go, God damn it. I need to get a hold. Because we've chatted a bunch of times. And yeah. I know those guys are busy. They've got bigger fish to fry than these couple of hillbillies from Delaware. You know what I mean? But I, we genuinely love those dudes. Genuinely want to have them on a show well, with us. Well, I think the more... People have not, I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype anybody when I say this, but the way you guys look, the way they look, there needs to be more public conversations with people that look like they're polar opposites. I agree. Get along. Does that make sense? Yep. Like it, I, no, need. I, I, there, I'm with you hundred yeah, percent on that. There needs to be more of that in the world. And, yeah. And so like, that's why I think it would make for a good episode, but I'll tell you what, I'll help you out with them. You, you get old girl on my show so I can bullshit with her and, I'm gonna make it happen, and just let her know how when my daughter was born, how we used to watch her, and I thought it was cool, and that's my only guilty pleasure of shows I've ever watched, and uh, and I still to this day <laughs> don't know why the fuck I watched it and got into it so much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I told you yesterday, I've I've only ever watched partial one show, and it was because I thought my daughter was gonna be on it, but um. You know, I I I only I met Kale in like 2010ish, 2011ish, and um, I've so it was way after she was already you know deep into MTV, and like my entire relationship with her and and her ex husband Javi, who's also a friend of mine, um, you know, like I I just know them for to being Kale and Javi, like I don't know them or have a relationship. Yeah. Like, well, I'll make jokes with her and shit like that about being because I've had people like geek out with her when I'm we're at wrestling practice and 
her and I are just having a conversation, catching up, and somebody comes over and goes, oh, my God, are you Kale from Teen Mom? And they just kind of awkwardly chat with her. Or, uh, you know, our kids go to the same school, and she was saying uh, yesterday or the day before, that no, was Tuesday, how when she went to pick up her son from school in the pickup line, one of the teachers, like, slid her cell phone in Kale's truck and was taking pictures of oh, Kale as she's yeah as she's dropping her son off in the truck and she's like, "Are you fucking serious? Like my truck's a mess. You're gonna poke this? Like <laughs> it's kick that way. like you didn't yeah." But um, but now she's she's outstanding. People always tell everybody she's one of the most genuine human beings you'll ever meet. You know, and if she says something to you, she genuinely means it. You know, and she's she, been a, that, that means she, she made the show easy when we did it. You know, she was very welcome. Well, she didn't she didn't move with ego. She she made it very easy for us. Yeah. I could see how, well, the main thing of being a good podcast host is making people comfortable to where they want to yeah, open up and talk to y'all. You guys are going to be really good at this because you are where it's very easy to talk to you. It's very, like, you don't talk at nobody, you talk with them. And yeah. that, that's the main point with all this shit. And uh, I want y'all to promote y'all show real fast, tell them where they can find it, name of it, your Instagram, your TikTok, all that bullshit real fast. And then we'll get to Yeah, man, it. so... We're on we're on everything. Everything pretty much is at the Dude Dads podcast. Dude Dads. Um, so we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Spotify. Um, spot, yeah, we're right right now. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can watch our episodes on YouTube. Uh, working on Apple Music, so that's going to be out soon. We're not, as you could probably tell, you could stereotype us. We're not techie dudes. We're figuring this the fuck out. Until we can monetize it and hire a crew, that's what we're going to have to do. Yeah. Um, but now, follow us, reach out, have a conversation, whatever. Just like any, just like you, we'll talk to anyone. So, yeah, definitely appreciate the platform you put us on. Anytime, dude. You're good at this. Uh, um, one thousand percent. I don't know when, but I'm going to Nashville. We will certainly one, one I, of those I shows. Be, I want to be in the green room. You know, if the, if, if it's uh, I want to be a fly on a room just. The uh, the way, like I said, the the airline that runs out of Wilmington, Delaware to Nashville, it runs out on Thursdays and Sundays, and it's they're legit like sixty nine, seventy nine dollars a ticket. Yeah. Um. So it's an easy Thursday to Sunday know. trip. Well, what we do is, I'd hate Nashville on the weekends. I will not go to Nashville on the weekends. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I hate the weekend there too. Yeah, because what we do is the artists that we work with. They're all on the road on the weekends. It's nothing but mm. tourists when you go to Nashville on the weekends. Okay. So, like, anybody that we do stuff with, we go during the week. So, we are a Monday or Sunday through Thursday type of team. Uh, so that, that's, that's fine because we could fly out on a Sunday and fly home on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I will send y'all our next two dates. Uh, okay. February the 7th is our next show at Live Oak, so we'll be recording – Monday, Tuesday, then our show's Wednesday at Live Oak. Thursday's usually the day that we uh, we either throw shit together or we rehab until we go back home because it is a <laughs> lot of alcohol from that from start to finish. And then I think our next one, our March one, is March the tenth or the thirteenth. I really can't remember. But and uh, that, you do this you do this once a month all year. Yeah, we uh, okay. we, we work with Live Oak. Uh, we do it once a, a month. Plus, plus, there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that I have to network and bullshit with, and I refuse to live in Nashville. Uh, Nashville is mm -hmm. not country, and mm -hmm. it's also 
It's also too many women and too much alcohol for me. I I have I have a problem with devil. Them. Yeah, <laughs> they are the devil to me. Um, so I I don't want to live there. I love my little farm town where I'm from, and I like to be down here. I like to be away from that shit. I think it also helps make me who I am. Uh, so we go up there. We have to be there one week out of every month recording just for the networking and bullshitting purposes. Even gotcha. if we don't, even if we don't get a lot of shows done while we're there. Yeah, but if y'all come up, but if y'all you. come up, we'll throw y'all on with us in a group show in a group setting, uh, with some artists and all that kind of shit to help promote y'all show. For sure, Dude, whether sooner or later, it's going to happen. It's not if it it's yeah. it's when we for could, sure. Yeah, I'd, well, cool. I'd like to sooner because I got. We we both coach. So I got a coaching season coming up, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. get done for them. I, I'm I'm thinking even so. Well, we could do both with summertime because actually both of our wives are teachers. Yeah. So I you know I would I, I can't go to Nashville without bringing Pam. So yeah, it's, I don't it's like blame she, you. She, There's she no got reason it. Yeah, to for, come to come with a wife and leave with a divorce. No, there's yeah, that's that's it. There's there's multiple reasons for that, and you she you know a pair of boots. Okay? Yeah, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So no, yeah. we're gonna make that happen, dude. Well, cool, dude. Well, uh, and also, folks, I'm gonna be on their show in a couple weeks. Uh, we're gonna let this one get some traction, and then I'm gonna do their show. So please make sure you go follow all their social media stuff. Uh, and like I said, uh, I'll throw some guests y'all away. You throw some guests my way, and it was a Hell pleasure. Yeah. You guys are good at yeah. this. Me I look too. forward to hearing Thank some you. more of y'all's episodes and everything. And uh, if y'all ever need help with anything, absolutely anything, you please let me and my team know, and uh, we'll do what we can for you. Appreciate you. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks so much. Anytime. All right, folks. Well, thank y'all for listening to the Josh Terry Podcast. Remember, this Saturday, Humminbird, Macon, Georgia, Josh Terry's Honky Tonk Nights. Mr. Carter Cross will be opening up for Riley Anderson. We'll be there partying, social media personalities. Uh, it's just going to be a damn good time. So please bring your ass out. Have a good time with us. Saturday, January the 27th. Humminbird, Macon, Georgia. I love each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all for listening to the Josh Terry Podcast. We'll catch you next time.